0: Welcome to the Sensual Alchemy School podcast where we explore grief, pleasure and the sometimes messy, always beautiful paradox that exists between the two. Here as we centre the experience of our wise bodies through the archetypal feminine we ask. Within a culture that perceives emotional, intuitive and creative intelligence as inferior and avoids pain at all costs, what if grief were our compass and pleasure our medicine? My name is Kate Leaper, and I'm so grateful you're here. Hey there, beautiful ones. Welcome back. It's totally lighting me up that I get to do this each week and that there are actual humans who are picking up what I'm putting down here at Central Alchemy School. I just want to say thank you before we begin. I've been receiving emails and Instagram DMs by many of you gorgeous people reaching out and sharing with me that something I've covered here around grief or the feminine, pleasure or creative leadership, whatever it may be, has struck a chord with you. And I'm deeply grateful each and every time. So please do reach out if this podcast has been helpful for you. I'd love to know which episodes have hit home the most. Okay, so on the back of last week's episode, which was episode number seven, titled The Truth About Women, Grief and Power, I'm going to be continuing on with this theme of power and the key piece that the feminist movement often misses and that's at the heart of the work we do at Sensual Alchemy School of Embodied Grief and Pleasure. And a reminder quickly that enrollments are currently open for the five-week Women, Grief and Power Embodied Leadership Immersion that I'm teaching from October the 6th. So if you're really into what I've been diving into on this podcast and you'd like to experience the work in action then this short immersion featuring live classes, embodiment processes, and an intimate group support as you traverse the curriculum might be just up your alley. This immersion is designed for women who teach, coach, create, and lead other women and feel a calling to explore how grief and power intersect in their lives and work and learn how to really harness their own unique potency through embodied experience. Now, most of us are taught to suppress our grief or get over our grief as soon as possible, to not disrupt our lives and to maintain a sense of professionalism, right? Well, this immersion is an opportunity to screw that ideology and put your grief, warts and all, out on the table as valid and important as it shapes you, your purpose, and your deepest desires. So this short training will absolutely revolutionize the impact that you can have in your leadership, not to mention your relationships, your mothering, and your own personal development, wherever you're at in life. So go ahead, check it all out at kateleeper.com power. That's kateleeper.com slash power. And as a side note, I do offer a payment plan for more spaciousness and affordability, so please take advantage of that option if you need to. All right, so to kick off today's conversation about the missing piece of women's empowerment that we struggle to accept, I want to ask you a question, and I want you to feel into it. The question is, How might you sabotage your access to pleasure? Now, ultimately, I'm asking that when it comes to creating opportunities for pleasure in your life or being open and available to pleasure, what barriers do you notice keep cropping up on the regular? Now, the key word here is access. Today, I'm interested in getting to the root of some of the challenges you might have when it comes to ease of access to pleasure. And some of these that we've spoken to at length about in episodes one through seven of this podcast so far are firmly anchored in the culture we live in. And I'd argue that other reasons will still have their roots in these cultural conditions, yet now they live on as untruths that function like pleasure gatekeepers in your body. So, a gorgeous woman who has worked with me for some time, and she's also been part of the Luminous Embodied Pleasure Pilgrimage this year, she shared a post in our private community last week. And it was so beautiful and so profoundly significant for her because it spoke to this flourishing relationship that she developed to her pleasure as an incredible energetic and creative resource in her life. And she's a mum to young children and she runs a business and she's been so devoted to untangling from generational feminine wounding around her creative expression and leadership, particularly. And this kind of wounding had felt so encompassing up until the last couple of years when she'd started this embodiment journey. And this is why when she shared with us that she'd found herself with like a period of two and a half hours of clear space in her calendar to fill with no husband or children around, And she described this incredible pleasure ritual that she chose to do instead of any of the other million possibilities on her to-do list. It called for a genuine celebration from our community. And we're not talking about you know, smashing out a yoga class because that will quote unquote be good for us or a quick self-pleasure session to like let some steam off. You know, we're talking about a whole body, whole psyche, resource and reset. So for her, this looked like purchasing delicious, fancy baked goods from a patisserie and taking them home, setting up a warm, sensuous space in her room with music and fragrance and items that felt pleasurable and enlivening. This was her really slowly and intentionally seducing herself into bliss for no other reason than she is a human entitled to feeling fucking incredible. (laughs) And then she relished in the afterglow by curling up in bed with a heat pack and a Netflix session before picking her kiddos up. And you know what? Hearing a snapshot of a woman's genuine pleasure, a woman who juggles many hats and carries many accumulated losses over several decades of life, should not really be a revolutionary thing for us to hear, right? Yet guess what? It is. This story is major because at the end of her sharing, she mentions, at no point did I feel guilty and like I should be doing anything else. I just allowed myself to feel good and then better and then take more To feel more. I mean, can I get an amen to that? (laughs) So, returning to my original question, what I'm speaking to here is how available pleasure is to us. How is our access to pleasure either closed or open to us? And I want to distinguish really clearly here between the pleasure that we derive from doing and achieving or from witnessing the achievements of others we love and the pleasure that we derive from our most simple, pure beingness. Okay. So they're very different things. Now, of course, I gain great pleasure from watching my girls say at their dance concert, or even getting 20 emails replied to that were on my priority list. And Yeah, this is pleasurable for sure. This feels good. It's valid. It's awesome. But learning to access the kind of pleasure that lies at the heart of your beingness, the intimacy that you're able to cultivate with your embodied sensitivity and aliveness is a very different experience. This is a kind of fuel that resources and clarifies, that drops us into a state of absolute connection and is a huge foundation of personal power. As women, we've conflated our pleasure with the satisfaction derived from the emotional labour we pour into the achievements of our husbands, our kids and our communities. Our pleasure is often defined by the roles we play, central to keeping things afloat and abundant in the livelihoods of others. And often, this means our pleasure isn't ours at all. I'd argue that it's merely the internalising of external positive reinforcement of, like, fulfilled female obligations (laughs) that makes us feel like the good girls we're all trying to be. I mean, this is why when a woman dares to create space for sensual bliss in devotion to her body, her heart, her creativity and her joy, we make a point of celebrating it, that she herself makes a point that in those two hours she didn't feel one iota of guilt. And then we clap, you know, because this is big. I don't know about you, but I relate deeply to her story. And I continue to move through these barriers all the time when it comes to how and when and how much pleasure I feel I'm entitled to that doesn't by default impact on the pleasure of another human being that I'm meant to be in service to. So today I want to bring to the table that for all the exceptional strides that the feminist movement has made towards equality. A pivotal factor that is so often overlooked when it comes to women's empowerment is the fact that we may be able to vote, we may be earning good money, we may be able to own a house, we may be a freaking CEO of an enormous enterprise, and yet still true embodied pleasure and vitality escapes us. Because unless I hold a deeply nourishing relationship to myself that rests on an unequivocal knowing that I am worthy of feeling good in my skin, of accessing pleasure as a sustaining, ever-giving life force, then I'm forever lacking. To the world, I might appear powerful, but behind the curtains, I'm still as disempowered as ever. And that might feel like a kick in the guts to hear, like all of the slogging that's occurred has been for nothing. And as a fierce feminist activist, I am not saying that, but I am here to raise the questions that if we spend a life fighting at the cost of our capacity to pause and relish in the beauty and wonder of our sensuality, of the privilege of living in a body in whatever form it takes, then what is it all for? Truly, what are we saving if we're not saving ourselves and each other and our children from a life of disconnection, disembodiment and misery? So ultimately, I'm taking a stand here in stating that when we sacrifice our ability to access pleasure as women, we actively forfeit our personal power. We are instead boarding a train to nowhere, striving for a kind of power which is born of emptiness and that perpetuates oppression and fools us into believing that this is the recipe for happiness. I believe that we can't be truly empowered financially, emotionally, and relationally until we accept that our pleasure must be non-negotiable, that our pleasure in fact, forms the foundation of our creative genius, deep resilience, clearer purpose, and more real, honest human connection. To be a radiant, energized, and embodied woman is to be powerful beyond measure. And yet, our culture is determined to place so many barriers in the way of us prioritizing that. So, of course, they eventually become our own internalised barriers and we believe it's actually us with the deficit. We abide by a hierarchy of external expectations that demand where we spend our time, our money and our resources, if we're to be a good woman, a good mother or a success, and liberating ourselves from these expectations in order to hone in On what our body aches for is for most of us an overwhelming desire and an equally terrifying proposition. Because when we say yes to one thing, we're also saying no to many other things. And flipping the script to follow pleasure and aliveness means that there'll be many no's that need to happen that won't initially feel good at all. And I want to offer some compassion here. This work of truly empowering ourselves beyond the social norms, it's not easy. It's hard and tiresome and there's no such thing as doing it perfectly. This following pleasure is not about never feeling shitty. (laughs) It's about finding your flashlight and opting to use your own compass after blindly following someone else's trail through the dark woods for an eternity. There is grief and fear and uncertainty. And so for this reason, it's also important to go slowly. Let it be a gentle shift over time that starts with getting to know your desires. What delights you? What ignites you? outside of the roles you inhabit, simply as the woman you are in your body with your heart and soul. So to bring today's conversation to somewhere practical and useful, I want to share with you a few really basic ways that you can start to create an easier access to pleasure. So notice I'm not about kind of giving you prescribed self-care activities. (laughs) Okay. You know how to run a flipping bath if you want one, but how often do you block yourself from doing the thing that you know will feel divine, whether that's a bath or a mountain climb? What I want you to get curious about is the part that comes way before the doing of any pleasure. This is the turning on of the flashlight before the compass even comes out, okay? (laughs) These are those moments that invite pause, reflection, and self-inquiry. So number one is to notice when your mouth says yes and your body says no. And let's be real here. This in itself may be your life's work, (laughs) So let's simply be with the noticing. Of course, unless you're in grave danger, I'm not saying when you go to say yes under duress while your body is begging you to say no, that you need to on the spot scream no and run away while your psyche has a complete meltdown. <laughs> I would instead suggest no forced behavior change. Thank your body for so clearly communicating your truer desire underneath whatever obligation felt more important to agree to. Simply welcome this internal dialogue, hear it, pay attention to it, but without the shame or the story on top about how weak or codependent you are, whatever it is. Because fundamentally, what we want to do is bring our body online. We are our body. We are not separate to our body, yet we've established this sense of separation over time. So we need to encourage a sense of unity and connection over time. Right, so that's the first one. Now the second practical tip, I think it might be useful and it involves us really throwing out the commodified self-care manual and really getting curious about the weird and wonderful things that have in the past or currently, spark something in you. So you might want to think back to when you were a child and those times that stand out to you where your body felt so online, in a good way, not because you were hypervigilant or hyperaroused, but because you felt safe and joyful and uninhibited. And these times don't have to remain on memories that are dismissed as trivial, now that they've been sequestered by adulthood, <laughs> you know, they don't have to be thrown out the window. These things are clues to accessing pleasure. So, for example, when I was seven, I won a Young Authors Award for a picture book that I wrote. What was it? It was Hilary Hawkins' Wonderful Pie or I don't know, something like that. But anyway, she made a pine. it had lots of revolting things in it. I loved Roald Dahl. <laughs> Anyway, so that brought me so much joy and I thought I was pretty special at that point at at writing. And so at 12, by the time I was 12, I was invited to attend a three-night writer's camp and I was really frightened. I didn't know anyone, but I knew there was this calling in me. I had to go. When I was there, it was absolutely magic. I felt so alive in my creativity, like I was fully understood in this place by these people. Now, I disconnected from any writing outside academic writing after high school until about eight years ago when I began my business and I cracked open this part of me that had laid dormant for so long. Now my writing literally brings me to life and the pleasure I get from being in my creative flow in this way is indescribable. You know, 10 years ago, I just accepted that writing was something I simply enjoyed when I was a kid. But upon really investigating this previous joy, it became so clear that I must pursue this art. Like I absolutely must or I won't be living, I'll just be existing. I feel this way about dance as well, but I'll save that story for another time. (laughs) Okay. And so finally, the third little tip to help you begin to access your pleasure, to open the gates, if you will, is to look for places where you can gently peel back what I refer to as the carpet of possibility. So imagining each time, an opportunity for pleasure arises. And it's something that sparks something in you, right? But it's one that you might normally find easy to just dismiss or put it in the too hard basket or you just would normally turn it down for whatever reason. I want you to imagine yourself on the floor, visualizing the carpet or rug of your normal room that you normally stand and walk on, And I want you to pause, get down on your hands and knees and peel back a little corner, peering down into a pleasurable scenario that you can imagine might be possible if you were to entertain it properly without all those stories and strings attached. This is where your fantasy imagination can be switched on. You know, we often move towards our anxious imaginings, the possibilities that evoke fear in us, but I want you to intentionally visualize how good it could be. Maybe instead of blocking a potentially pleasurable experience because it doesn't feel productive or perhaps it feels really vulnerable, whatever it may be, there's space to play with opening to a pleasurable experience in your imagination first whether it be a new class or a workshop or a social occasion, even sexual intimacy with yourself or another, even just a simple walk. You know, I can talk myself out of that every day of the week. But a lot of the time it's practicing bringing our desires to life internally that allows for them slowly but surely to unfold in our external world. Okay, so there's some little things to play with today. Thank you for being with me as we talk all things accessing pleasure. There were lots of big thoughts and big feels around what truly constitutes women's empowerment and how I believe we're really doing ourselves a major disservice when we strive towards finish lines that we never consciously set in the first place, while gradually abandoning all those parts of us that once knew true aliveness and pleasure, but that have been diluted and in many cases silenced in pursuit of climbing rankings or obtaining power as a woman in the world. At Sensual Alchemy School, we want to divest from perpetuating toxic power hierarchies and begin again at developing the core of our own personal power, and we believe that claiming our pleasure is a vital part of coming back home to our bodies, and being sourced and inspired to love and lead differently. If you've been digging what I'm share what I've shared today, you might be interested in the Women Grief and Power five week immersion that I'm teaching from October the sixth. It's online and it's open to anyone around the world we will be exploring four different themes around embodied power dynamics and liberating those controlling, overcompensating, pleasure-deprived tendencies that many of us are ready, so ready to let go of, to welcome in and expand your capacity for genuine pleasure, resourcing, and aliveness in your relationships and your leadership. So head on over to kateleeper.com slash power for all the details again and to enroll. And please reach out if you have any questions about this training, curiosities, wondering if it's for you. I am so here to answer any questions that you might have. So you can check out my social media um, and my email in the show notes. And I'm always on the other end, ready to hear from you. All right, my dears, have a wonderful, wonderful day and I will be back with you next week. Thank you for joining me today on the Sensual Alchemy School podcast. If you found this episode supportive or something landed for you here, please share it with your friends, family and anyone who you feel might benefit. If you're loving this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to ensure that we can keep bringing you the conversations you need. And if you want to connect, please find me at kateleeper.com or over on Instagram at kate.leeper. I'd love to hear from you.